This is the Ridge Hunter Outdoors podcast, episode five. I'm Canyon Clark here with Nate Burgess, Scott Clark, and Jeff Fry. Tonight, we're going to be going over an article by Greg Miller out of North American Whitetail, the November edition. It's called Wind a Bail on a Buck. We're going to be talking about trying not to get tunnel vision on one buck um, and overhunting him, stuff like that. We'll get into that a little bit later. Before we get started, I know, Dad, you wanted to go over some stuff from last week. Um, just hit on something real quick, bringing it up from last week. Yeah, last week we were talking about deer management, and uh, we went down a couple different paths or rabbit holes, whatever you want to call it. And uh, one of them was I'd made the comment that old timers used to say that deers would throw twins and triplets based on the population or whatever. And we didn't know whether that was true or not. So I did a little research, and uh, the Deer Ecology and Management Lab in Mississippi State University, which is a renowned uh, laboratory for that type of studies, did a deer density dependence study is what they call it. And essentially it says, as population density increases, the amount of deer food in the area declines. This decline in food affects deer body condition. Body condition serves as a physiological indicator to the reproductive system. So when body condition is good, reproduction is high. When body condition is poor, reproduction is low. So essentially... Uh, what the old timers are saying in a nutshell is correct. Now, uh, it's a great study. It's a good read. You can get on and Google that if you want to. Um, just to go into it a little bit, it talks about the deer population being good, not necessarily just does. And part of the offshoot to this study was they found out that those that have twins and triplets, typically those fawns have different fathers. So the buck population has to be good as well as the doe population as far as health and food and all that. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting study. The other rabbit hole we went down, you asked me, Nate, I believe uh, we were talking about deer population uh, 2012 when we had the big blue tongue kill and all yeah. that. You yeah. asked me if you thought if I thought it was higher, as high now as it was, and in a nutshell, I said no. Well, I did some, uh, according to the state of Illinois, the deer population in Illinois in 2012 was between 750 and 800,000. In 2013, the deer population dropped down to 645,000. So that's a roughly a 19.4% decrease mm -hmm. in one year based on that. And, and so today, the population is estimated at 670,000. So it's slowly climbing but it's still not quite to that 800,000 level that we saw in 2012 before Blue Tongue took over. Yeah. So it, they've held it pretty steady. Uh, the state of Illinois will tell you it's because their biologists are doing the permits and all that. That's a macro study. That's a state of Illinois study. Do I think populations in specific counties or specific parts of counties are as high or higher than they were then? Yes. Uh, according to the state, it's not statewide, so hopefully that answers your question. So. Well, the blue tongue was pretty sporadic. You know, some counties had it worse than others. Jefferson County didn't have it as bad as Wayne County did in places. Parts of Wayne County didn't have it as bad, you know, as the other parts of Wayne County did. Right, right. My my you records know, show that that nineteen per nineteen point four percent, roughly, that's uh, statewide one one in every five deer. Mm -hmm. uh, basically died. Um, so, um, yeah, my records show that's pretty, pretty typical for our area, you know, so. 
Anyway, there so, you go. So, uh, back to the old timers thing. Not necessarily that they knew why, but obviously what they were observing was correct because of the food and the relation to the health of the deer population. So, again, not necessarily that they knew why that was happening, but they did know it was happening. So, that was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a great study. It's a good read. It's a great article. Um, uh, Mississippi State. Mississippi State University, uh, they have a, a deer ecology lab. It's renowned throughout the United States. Uh, it's, 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 it's pretty cool. You get on there. If you're interested in that kind of stuff, it's good reading. Mm-hmm. So we'll kind of jump into this week's stuff now. I want to start with, like I said last week, we're going to do kind of a field report and a rut report as we get closer to the rut. But uh, I know, Jeff, you've done some hunting, and I got in the woods a couple times too, so... What are we seeing out there? I don't know if you've been much, Nate. Okay, well, we'll get into that, and then we'll, like, at the shop, too, what's been going on here. So, Jeff, you can go ahead and lead us off with that, what you've been seeing. Uh, Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) It it was hot. Uh, I mean, we was hunting in 85-degree weather, you know, calm winds and stuff. Uh, It was just deer movement was almost at a null whether it's mornings you know even 65 degree mornings we I mean you went mm-hmm. the other morning and you know we didn't see nothing only thing i'm seeing is squirrels and mosquitoes the size of dinosaurs yeah know. Yeah. <laughs> no shortage of those no 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 and but uh this weekend is supposed to get down uh saturday morning it's supposed to be 39 degrees so things are going to change yeah and i think deer activity is going to pick up uh I've even seen it, you know, I go to work at 4.30 in the morning and just drive down the roads. I've noticed here lately with all the weather patterns that's mm-hmm. coming through, I'm seeing more deer out on the roads and moving, you know, between 4.30 and daylight. So I'm sure they're out, you know, yeah. after that. But And we'll get into a little bit more this weekend and like the coming week as we go on. Um as far as it goes, like you said, we went that morning and didn't see nothing. Um, and went, we went the evening before and, and yeah. you know, saw two. Saw, saw two, but, you know, yeah. they wasn't interested in doing anything. No. Um, and we were hunting acorns that night, and that's where I think the two nights before I'd seen several deer in there. But, again, just those and not a ton of movement early or anything like that. Well, but, I think they was getting tired of the squirrels throwing acorns at probably were. Because <laughs> you and I was. I don't uh-huh. know. <laughs> so, um I did go another time, sat on some food for the first time. Really, I just wanted to check on the food plots, and I sat in what was a place that wasn't going to hurt me as far as the bucks go. Haven't had any pictures of bucks in that food plot yet this year. Had one doe come out. That was pretty much it. I did go check the other plot and the other camera because the wind was right to do it. Um, I've got starting to see some more mature deer moving at night, getting closer to daylight. That property, I don't really hold the bucks, so... It's one of those deals where I got to hit the weather right, like we talked about before, to get them moving farther, to be in there in the daylight. But starting to see them, um, a little more movement from the bigger deer at night. And uh, several does on that camera on some of the better days we've had as far as when it's got down into the 50s in the morning rather than the 60, mid-60s or 70s. But uh, <clears throat> Well, it's like the other morning wherever you went with me. You know, uh, it was a property that I'd hunted years before. Mm. Hadn't been there for uh, five or six years, you know, and got permission to go there again. And like I told you, hey, we probably won't see nothing, but let's just go check it out, see what kind of sign we see and stuff. And 
we even found one of my old deer stands that had been yeah. there for 10 years, you yeah. know. So, and we did stumble across an old scrape too. Yep. So it's, <laughs> you know, so we got an idea of what's, yeah, you know, that there's still deer activity going on there and stuff, you know, it's just, yeah, we didn't what, mess what, anything up. We didn't we mess there. nothing up. You know, we played the wind right. Everything was right. And we just kind of snuck in, did some observing, watched, you know, and kind of got an idea of what was going on and what wasn't. And that's the best part about where you got to get in that mindset where it was hot like that. Okay, I'm probably not going to see deer, but wherever I go to this particular place, I might learn something about what they're doing and what yeah. to expect for the upcoming cold fronts and right. everything else yep and that's essentially what we did in the last couple of weeks have been pretty good if you're gonna go hopefully that's what you guys were doing too um maybe you know, some of the stuff that we talked about before we got into those last couple of weeks going in just observing not putting too much pressure on the deer um this weekend was also youth also youth season um well, you can talk about at the shop how that compared to other years it was pretty uncharacteristically hot but uh, I don't know how much that really slowed them down or anything. Yeah, you know, guys are going to take their kids hunting as they should. And uh, the, the kill, I think, is gonna, we're going to find out it's probably down a little bit this year, simply because it was hot. Uh, uh, this past week, we have seen a few Pope and Young type deer. Uh, out of those, uh, only one, uh, which is really early, that had a, a little bit of swell to his neck. When I call a pre-rut swell, uh, just one. Now the others, nothing. Yeah, just like you see them in the summertime. So uh, that particular area, I, I don't know what to attribute that to necessarily. Uh, can't can't tell you that. But you talking about that old deer we skinned out? No, there, right? no. There was another one that not the old deer that was on the decline. Yeah, this was a decent deer that was probably one forty. Not not 150, 140 something. Um, had a little bit of swell to him. Not not the big bulging muscles like you're going to see rut rut, but what are what I call a pre rut swell. Um, just just one. So there you are. That's, I mean, pretty pretty average for what you're going to see this time of year. And like I said, here a little bit later, probably after we get into the article, we'll talk about what we're going to be looking for this upcoming week. Um, between now and the next time we do a podcast and the next time we do a podcast, we'll be talking about pre-rut stuff. Pretty good time of year there. And like you said, Jeff, got some good weather coming in this weekend. We'll talk about what we're looking for with that cold front moving through, what days of that cold front we think are going to be best and where we're going to be going, planning on going, where we'd like to go, um, stuff like that. So we'll get into that after getting the article. Like I said, we're going to be going over when to bail on a buck by greg miller it's out of the november edition of north american whitetail so he starts out i firmly believe it's long been the question many deer hunters have asked themselves more than any other and it goes something along the lines of i wonder if it's possible that i've been putting too much pressure on this big buck that i'm trying to kill after many hundreds of conversations with fellow deer hunters over the years i've come to the conclusion that darn few hunters are willing to admit that they may have been their own worst enemy when it comes to putting too much pressure on a big deer. Oh, and just so we're clear on something here, I'll be the first to admit that I've also been guilty of the crime and on multiple occasions. So, like he said there, we've probably all done it. Uh, Nate, can you think of any any big deer that maybe you got really focused on and probably hunted him a little too much and maybe ended up hurting yourself in the long run um, where you maybe could have switched off and done something different or anything come to mind? 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, uh, I've been out there with the intention, you know, to, to try to see, uh, specific bucks before I have been lucky enough a couple of different times, uh, to kill the specific buck I was out there for. Um, but, uh, as far as, um, uh, the last couple of years, I've not really had a particular buck I was wanting to chase, um, uh, and kill that last year I did have a buck. I was wanting to see him. Um, he wasn't, uh, I'm glad he made it through, you know, he made it through this year and he is nice this year. Last year, um, I wanted to see him something awful. I only saw him one time in second gun season. Uh, he completely disappeared. I have no idea why. Uh, but the first morning I went in after him, um, I was running late. I think it was November 3rd last year. I was running late. Um, he had came and hit a scrape for the previous three mornings that I had on my cell cam. He'd hit a scrape, uh, 20 minutes after daylight, the same scrape, like clockwork, you know, I had a day off. I thought I'm going to go in there after him. I was running late. Um, something, I ran into something right there at the bottom of my tree. Uh, it gave me one good snort. It was not a doe that blew and blew as she ran down through the woods. One good deep snort, and it was gone. And I can't help but think that that might have been him. So I, completely my fault there, you know. Um, but uh, but that could have been him there. Uh, but if I am not getting daylight pictures of a buck fairly consistently, um, according to my cameras, I don't think I could do i don't think i could be very successful you know if i'm not getting daylight pictures of him right there um if he's not moving in daylight where i can hunt uh i don't feel like i've got a reasonable shot at him but we talked the very first uh episode here you know don't put all your faith in your cameras uh because that uh you're not seeing uh what are you maybe seeing 10 percent of what's actually going right, on it ain't know? a 360 degree view yeah you know, of course, yeah but um but uh, i've got several cameras spread out over uh, a fairly small uh area there um where i'm mainly hunting at uh like i said i, I don't have big woods to hunt um but i've got several cameras spread out through there if i'm not seeing good daytime buck movement on there i'm fairly discouraged about my odds yeah. um of course you never know what's going to happen you know you right. got to be out there to chase them right uh, but if i'm not seeing good buck movement on the cameras i've either got them in the wrong spots or you know or they're just not moving in daylight there for me. So you're kind of using those cameras to keep you from pressuring a buck too much because you're not. You're saying you're not going to go in there, go in there, go in there, go in there unless you know he's. You've got him on some sort of a pattern, or at least there's a good chance based on what you've seen he's going to be in there. Yeah. Um. If uh, if I'm not seeing him on the cameras, I'm not really thinking that he's there, and especially if I go in there and I still don't see him. You know, I'm looking. Uh, I can see across the field, you know, uh, the CRP field in a couple stands, especially if I'm not seeing him anywhere, Mm -hmm. you know, that makes me think he's not right there right then. Right. You know, I know for me, there's been times, not necessarily where I've gone in after this certain buck and ended up bumping him out because I went in there and pressured him too much, but that I've seen a picture of him on camera or I saw him once from the stand, didn't get a shot. And then I've spent the next five to a week, five days to a week going back in that same spot or that same area, never see him again. And I've just blown a whole week with her. It might be in November, the best week of the year where I could have went and spend that time time somewhere else just because I got this one flash of this one buck that may have just been moving through because of the rut or this time of year. Maybe he'd just come through at night. Wasn't going to see him during the daytime anyway. So not necessarily that I bumped the buck off, but that I wasted some time in there after him when I didn't have a decent chance of killing him. Yeah. So. That, uh, that buck last year. 
I'm I'm pretty confident it was a buck. Uh, just the way he snorted, you know, it, yeah. it wasn't a doe that blows at you and bounces off you. They generally make more noise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sometimes they keep blowing, don't they, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> um, All day long. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that one was totally my fault. Um, uh, if that was him, I don't know. You right. know, I don't right. know. I was running later, and I should have been though. Uh, I'd like to think if I was 10 minutes earlier uh, that, that everything would have been okay there. Mm-hmm. It had still been plenty dark. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. uh, you never get that chance back, do you? <laughs> right. Do you got anything that comes to mind on you as far as going in after one buck and maybe going in too many times or after him too hard um, and then end up kind of hurting yourself in the long run? I never <clears> – <throat> of course, you got to remember, I started hunting before, you know, cameras was even out there. Right. You know – me and Scott, we was hunting when, you know, you put a string across a deer trail with a timer on it, you know, and if something broke that string, it'd tell you what time it went through. You had no idea what it was. You tried to put it up high. Neighbor's dog. It could have been a cow. Who knows? <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> grizzly bear, well, you know, whatever. But, you know. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That, well, you know, you know, no, no. You can't say. But anyways, you know, uh, no. Whenever I started hunting with cameras, uh, yeah, I get pictures of deer. Most of them was at night and stuff. I just went because I knew that there was bucks there, you know, that's visiting and stuff. And I'd go wherever I could go where I knew where there was bucks at. And sometimes, you know, I might see the buck that I had pictures of. Most of the time, I'd say 95% of the time, I didn't. Now, in 2012... You know, despite what happened with the blue tongue, I was getting consistent pictures of a buck. And first it was in the night, then he started getting daytime pictures of him. And I started patterning according to my camera. You know, I check it once a week. And so I got him figured out what I thought. And so I started hunting him because that, you know, the bucks and all that, you know, was pretty much gone. I mean, this was. You know, it was a nice buck for what was left, you know, after the blue tongue. So, anyways, I started hunting him. Well, like you said, shotgun season came. He disappeared. Didn't have him on camera. I never saw him or nothing. But between shotgun seasons, you know, I happened, I knew where, if he was around, I knew where he was going to go. And between shotgun seasons, you know, on Thanksgiving Day, I killed him at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And like I've told you, and I think I said last episode or the episode before the camera killed that deer mm-hmm. you know but you know there you can focus on a buck but as long as you kind of train yourself okay i want this buck but if something better comes along or if i don't see him after a while you know something's happened to him move on to time something. to move on time to move on to yeah. something else and it, it may even be one of those things where you move on and you can still come back to that buck if you get more pictures of him or if you just give him time and then maybe wherever else you're at ain't working out, you can always go back to it and revisit right. that stand. But you got to know, you got to know how to read your cameras and exactly. everything else, you know, and the, the deer movement and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. it was just a fluke that I happened to show up that day because I'd given up on him. I really thought he was somebody shot him, shot him you know, so I had, didn't even imagine him being there and it was just a fluke that he showed up. Mm-hmm. So back to the article here, um, He says, a change in strategies. Uh, For starters, it's never easy to bail on a buck, especially really nice bucks that you want very badly to kill. 
We hunters invest a lot of time and energy and money into finding, scouting, and hunting mature whitetails, and as such, a connection sometimes occurs. We develop an all-or-nothing mindset around that particular deer, deciding we'll devote the entire season to hunting the animal. Unfortunately, that strategy can often end without punching a tag. And hey, if that's fine with you, and if the buck you're after is worth the wait, then have at it. However, if you're more interested in maximizing your chances and adapting to changing hunting conditions throughout the season, I feel strongly that it's important to know when to change gears and hunt another animal. If you're a traveling whitetail hunter, this decision might be much easier to make, which you'll get into a little bit of out-of-state hunts and stuff like that. Um, and we'll kind of touch on that a little bit, but most of what we're talking about is hunting your main properties and stuff. So, But I did like what he said there. However, if you're interested in maximizing your chances and adapting to changing hunting conditions throughout the season, that's kind of what we've been talking about all along. And like kind of part of the point of doing this is to help you guys maximize your chances out there. So maybe it's that, like you said, Jeff, reading your trail cameras, um, if you can pay attention to the weather conditions or the wind on those days where that you're seeing that buck on that trail camera, if you get the right wind, maybe that's when you go in and hunt that buck that's been on that camera. If you get the wrong wind, maybe you go hunt a different buck or go hunt a different area. Um, There's another part to that too. Also look at the time lapse. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> a buck ain't going to stay in one place all the time, especially where there's does around that he's chasing and checking all the time. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> but you know, like at my woods, about every four days, a buck will make that circle through there. You know, a certain buck will. And so you pay attention to your cameras. You know, if you see a buck on, you might see him one or two days in a row, and then he disappears. Then a week later, he might show up again. So if you can learn to read that and translate that, you know, and kind of get his cycle in mind and try to work your hunting schedule around that, well, then your odds increases of of at least seeing that buck live instead of, you know, maybe harvesting. Right. Um, And that's really what we're getting at, too. Yeah, I guess complicated, but you got to kind of just... Right. There, There's a formula to it or whatever. I don't know. It's but, all that stuff. Mature deer aren't easy to kill, so there's no, a lot of stuff not. that goes into it. Now, when you're hunting in November and they're rutting real hard, all bets are off, you can get lucky <laughs> and kill on any given day at any given time just by being out there. And we'll talk about that as we get closer to that time of year. But this is all stuff that if you want to consistently kill big deer, you got to pay attention to. I know, I can't remember if we talked about it on the podcast last week or if we were just talking about it before, but the Drury Brothers, think whatever you want to of them now. Um, They came from pretty humble beginnings as far as the first videos they were putting out and the stuff they were doing. They were not hunting the same style they are now where they've got tons of food and huge properties and sitting in a box blind in the middle. Um, But they've taken notes over their 25 or 30 years, whatever it is, and... (laughs) paid attention to that stuff and compiled this database basically of, okay, when the weather conditions are this and the wind is this, um, this is where I'm going to go in and do whatever, um, based off of stuff they've seen. So they pay attention to all that stuff, which is why they've got to where they're at now, where they have the money, um, and all the deals and the sponsorships and whatever, where they can go do the things they do now. Um, so I think it's definitely important, Jeff, to what you were saying about, paying attention to all that stuff and um, don't let it all go unnoticed so we'll get back into the article now he starts talking about a little bit about out of state which maybe not 
doesn't really relate to a lot of us, but some of us it probably does, and it ties back in. He says, admittedly, I take far more chances on short out-of-state hunts than I do with the big bucks that reside on my home state hunting property. But as I learned when I first started broadening my deer hunting horizons with out-of-state hunts many years ago, there definitely are times to be careful. But there are also times when a person needs to be more aggressive, and I'm definitely more aggressive on out-of-state hunts. This isn't to say, however, that I haven't bailed on big bucks when I'm hunting out-of-state. Fortunately for me, I learned long ago that it was definitely in my best interest to always have a backup plan when I'm hunting foreign turf. So, he goes on after that to tell a story about, uh, he was on a hunt, I forget where he says it was at, but uh, he'd hunted the first four days for this one specific buck, and it was a five-day hunt, and on the fifth day, his guide, the guy that ran the outfit, finally said, hey, you want to try something different? He said, yeah, okay, let's do that. So, he goes to try something different. He ends up killing a really nice seven-and-a-half-year-old deer, not real huge horned, but really nice deer, solid deer. He said it's a muzzleloader hunt. Um Maybe in Illinois, matter of fact, if I remember right. I didn't save that part of the article. Anyhow, he says it's one of his favorite muzzleloader deer that he's killed. It was on the fifth day he went and changed something. So if he's on a five-day hunt and can benefit from changing up and backing off a one, a one particular buck, we have three months of a season to hunt one deer. Like I said, we have the luxury of even being able to go back to him if we leave him, la- if we leave him alone for a little bit. Um, and not pressure those bucks too much and end up bumping them. So I think what he says there about being out of state, while we may not all be hunting out of state, we can still use those same principles that looking at a guy who's only there for five days, he still realizes that he's wasting his time on those first four days. He needs to try something different, change it up, and he ends up killing another really nice deer. Now, there are times where maybe you've only got one deer that you want to kill, and you're just going to go go for broke on that deer, which, like he said earlier, if you want to do that, that's fine. But just don't be too disappointed when it doesn't work out, if it doesn't work out. Because you're taking a lot of chances at bumping that deer if you keep going back into his home range and hunting the edges of his home, of his home range and going into his bedding, that he's going to catch you before you catch him. Um, they make it to that size for a reason. So I thought that was kind of interesting what he said there about out-of-state hunts. Um, and then kind of to wrap it up, he says, as mentioned, it can be tough to decide exactly when to bail on a big buck, but if plenty of past personal experiences are of any value here, then allow me to make some suggestions. And the first of those suggestions, to be completely honest about your decision to continue to pursue a buck, you're pretty much deemed unkillable. Of course, this brings up another very important point, and that point is something I mentioned earlier. We hunters should always have a secondary game plan we can fall back on at the drop of a hat, because as I've learned... While one big buck might suddenly refuse to play the game, there's almost always another one that will be more cooperative. So maybe it's not that you can't catch up with that buck, but you're seeing him and he's just coming out at the wrong place and you never get a shot at him and he's not a very killable buck. You have to make it up in your mind that you might have to make that decision of, okay, this ain't going to happen. We'll see what happens with him next year. I'm not going to catch up with him if I if I get to where I think I can shoot him, I'm going to end up in a wrong wind or end up bumping him out of his bedding, something like that. So you make that decision to go hunt a different deer. Whereas I, I can't remember if we talked about it again uh, on one of the past podcasts, but all the deer are different. Maybe you go into end up hunting one that's a really aggressive buck and you can call him in and you go hunt him and kill that one. But try not to be too dead set on one single deer. Um, if you can help it. Um, if you want to go in after that deer, like I said, that's fine. But, Try to keep your options open. Um, 
I try not to spend too much time uh, in one spot. Uh, but like I, like I said the whole time, I, I do not have a big spot there at home. Um, uh, I am lucky enough to have uh, enough options to have, definitely hunt different winds. You know, mm-hmm. um, south and west prevailing are definitely the best. Uh, if I get a north wind, uh, I really don't want to do anything right there at home. Uh, I'm going to go sit by other spots. Uh, and especially if I've done something dumb there at home or if I've had a bad sit. Mm-hmm. If I had that one old doe bust me, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to go uh, to what I call my out-of-state. Uh, I have 20 acres that I have permission to hunt right on the edge of Mount Vernon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not in city, city limits, uh, but it's real close. And gosh, those town deer are stupid. I mean, they really are. Yeah. Um, uh, and I've seen a couple good bucks there. I really have. Um, I've got about as far away from any house as I possibly can get on that place. Um, and like, I can't see any houses. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not hunting in somebody's backyard. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, those deer are used to people all the time. So when I'm frustrated at home, I'm going to go hunt that piece, you know, uh, mm-hmm. just to change it up. Um, and North Wind happens to be good there, which is not good at all at home. Uh, so anyway... Um, if I'm getting frustrated at home, I'm probably going to go there and, uh, uh, just see what happens, yeah. you know? And that being your secondary plan, like he was talking about in the article, yeah, which you got to have because inevitably something's not going to work out. Uh, maybe it does. Maybe you, you do everything right and you get that buck killed in the first week or the first day or the first few sits and you get that buck. But most of the time it's not going to work out like you thought. And there's not going to, every day is not going to be perfect to hunt one buck. So you got to have another plan, which is where. A lot of preseason stuff comes in, and now you just have to put it in action. But setting up your stands or your different locations like you're talking about for different winds, you give yourself more options. So you, if you have a chance to go and it's good weather, even if it's not particularly the right wind for one stand, you still have another option to go somewhere else and hunt maybe a buck on that property um, and give yourself that secondary option. Yeah. For, for me, I remember a particular time we were hunting a buck. Uh, we dubbed uh, the ghost. Jeff knows what I'm talking about. We had a piece of property. We got permission to hunt because of this particular deer was running through this property. We knew it was. It would cross the road close to the property. People would tell us, you know, constantly, hey, this deer crossed in front of me. I almost hit him, yada, yada, yada. They always see him at night. Always at night. Nice, nice white rack deer. We dubbed him the ghost Mm. because he was at night and he was a white rack. Uh, the property we had permission to hunt, we could only come in on a specific uh, pathway, so the wind had to be just perfect for us. I mean, it was just if the wind wasn't perfect, you might as well not even go. So you talk about Plan B for for me that particular year. I had a target buck. We both had a target buck. Jeff and I were hunting the same particular property with different places, hoping to target the same buck. Uh, but for me, Plan B was. Anytime the wind wasn't right to hunt that buck, I wasn't going to pass up on another buck on another property yep. just to kill this one. Uh, you got two buck tags in Illinois we had at that time. So, uh, absolutely had a target buck, had a lot of fun hunting him. Uh, got within, you got sh- a lot closer to him than I did. Not shooting distance. I let it, I, I, I let him go because I wasn't comfortable with the well, shot, the, the distance because of the deer. However, anytime my point was, you were talking about plan B. For me, plan B was anytime the wind wasn't right and we had to hunt somewhere else, I went to plan B. I was not going to give up another deer for him. And we had a lot of fun that year. Yeah. We really yeah, did. We did. Yeah. But you wasn't going to give up. A, a 
buck that you was happy with just to kill no that was plan b anytime we were not going to get to that woods because of the wind that was plan b for me and we was both on that same page you know we me and him both on the same properties together i mean and that was our and that was before cameras we didn't have the cameras and stuff. No, oh, yeah, just, you just we just hunted the wind. We knew about his pattern, but we didn't. Yeah. You didn't have any cameras to look at. No, we just went on whatever people would tell us, whatever information and stuff. You know, we'd pick up in that. And, man, it was, it was good times. It's been a long time ago. It was a long time ago. We had a lot of fun though. Yeah, never got that buck, but it didn't matter. You know, we had a lot of fun hunting. I don't think anybody. I think he got hit by a car or a train. I think so. <laughs> Didn't no, get seriously. killed by us. No, I, I, if somebody would have killed him, we would have we would have knew about yeah. it. And yeah. he either got poached or hit. I think if he got spotlighted, he'd been. We would have found out about it eventually. Yeah, yeah. but that's kind of going to wrap up what I wanted to talk about on that article and when to maybe give up. Not I don't want to say give up, but when to cut your losses and move on if you have to during the season. Because we're getting to that time of year, and a lot of guys are starting to see bucks on your property. Because this is the time of year you want to see them on your property. So if you had it set up right, you're probably getting pictures of them now. Um, and a lot of guys are going after that one target buck uh, that you're getting pictures of, especially this time of year. Like we talked about before, it's a good time to go in and kill those bucks. But again, don't get so fixated that you end up hurting yourself in the long run. But that was kind of it on that. Like I mentioned earlier, we got some good weather coming in this weekend, and it looks like it's going to stay pretty decent for uh, the foreseeable future after that. So I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on where we may be looking at, where you guys are looking at hunting these upcoming this upcoming cold front, what days, um, times, kind of areas you're going to be looking to hit, uh, cover, food, funnels, acorns, whatever it is. Um, what are your thoughts on the on the cold front coming through? Where are you going to be? Uh, I have three food plots I would like to be sitting on. Uh, two of them are established clover plots. One of them is a fall mix. Uh, the fall mix, of course, I just planted this year. Uh, I have a cell cam on that plot. Uh, there's does out there. You couldn't hardly throw a stick and not hit one. Uh, they just pile out on it every night. Uh, but there's, uh, there's a nice thick little patch of timber. Uh, that this thing borders, and then we've got, oh, probably 40, close to 40 acres of CRP uh, around it. Plenty of cover, secluded. Um, They're out there at least an hour before dark every night. You know, they're comfortable moving there. Um, Acorns in the woods, too. Uh, I'd like to be there. Those two little clover patches, they're on the other sides of that little timber as well. Uh, Easier to access, um, but it'll all depend on the wind. Uh, I'm planning on something out of the north, something out of the west after this cold front comes through, uh, would be my guess. Uh, but that will dictate it for sure. Uh, but like Jeff said, uh, they're going to be out. They're going to be feeling good. Uh, they'll be out hopefully moving earlier than normal because of the cold. Um, hopefully that'll get them on their feet. And I would like to try to catch one of those uh, nicer bucks hitting one of those food sources before they really go out. Uh, also, I've got a whole bunch of standing beans that uh, I believe are getting cut today. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they had three combines running them today. It's what my wife said when she was coming home. So it'd be nice if they'd get those beans out and uh, make it a little easier accessible for me. Uh, also, eliminate anything that they might be doing in the beans, you know, um, push them over on me a little bit more. Uh, but anyway, uh, hopefully the cameras will give me a, a little better idea too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, food. I'm looking at food uh, in the evenings. I'm not. Uh, I'm not planning on doing any more hunting this weekend. Yep. 
So oh, I, I'm definitely going more. Are you? Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. And you, okay. mean, you mentioned acorns, you know. That's like that that new property where I'm at. Main Canyon's walking and stuff. There's several good. There's an acorn ridge there, you know, with some good white oaks and stuff. And yeah, I really think for this cold temperatures, you know, the bucks are going to be feeling it, and they're going to be coming on them acorns and trying to fatten up, you know, because that's high in protein and oh, stuff yeah. and, and carbs and that, you know. So they're going to be feeding up and getting ready for the rut. Yep. And I think this cold temperature is going to get them out of there, and you know. This is the wind I've been waiting for. Yeah. I mean, I've been dying to hunt this property. And I I took a chance this weekend. The wind wasn't exactly right, but I just, I wanted to go. And, of course, I didn't see nothing. I seen a couple of does out in the standing beans, you know, on the wrong side of the property that where they wasn't supposed to be. But, you know, I I just think, you know, I really have high hopes for this weekend. I may be disappointed, but. Now, I think, though, you need to give it a little time after the temperature falls. Uh, I don't know when it's supposed to fall exactly, uh, but but when it does. Friday night, Saturday morning. Yeah, okay, yeah. Friday night, Saturday morning. rain coming through. Mm-hmm. So, so if you get up Saturday morning and you're all fired up about going hunting, that's great. I mean, go oh, do it. Oh, I don't go expect killing a Boone Crocker deer. Well, you so. might. Well, I might, but. But, you know, maybe the temperature needs to be down there for <laughs> Saturday and maybe Saturday evening might be a better hunt. Or as oh, good yeah. a hunt as Saturday morning, uh, because these deer have felt lower temperatures before. Yep. They just haven't lasted very long. Now you got to remember, they're uh, we're seeing deer their winter coats starting to come on. They they do that. Uh, it's not based on temperatures, based on uh, daylight and mm-hmm. and darkness times. Because you got to remember, when that first cold snap hits, they already have to have their coat on. They can't just go put one on in the closet like we do. Yep. So they already have it on. And so they, they've, they've seen this cold for a few hours, and then the sun comes out and gets hot again. So maybe that best hunt may not be Saturday morning. Your better hunt may be Saturday night, or at least as good as Saturday morning. So something to think about. I think right, what but, I'm looking at with the weather is going to be uh, when that rain comes in Friday when it goes out. Because if the rain comes in and sits later in the evening, it's going to push that feeding off for those deer till later in the night. And if that cooler temperature comes in, they're going to be more comfortable staying out there long, feeding longer. You may catch that buck coming back later in the morning in the daylight, whereas normally he'd be coming back before daylight. So he's still coming back in dark. So I think that's really going to depend on the rain probably as far as the weather goes for this weekend on that Saturday morning or Saturday evening. Initially, I'm looking at Saturday evening probably going to be one of the better sits because it will still be cooler during the daylight. And on the flip side of that, they may be getting out earlier in the evening than they would have before, but you got to think about that the deer feed it five times in a 24 hour period. So if they miss one of those feedings or they push off one of those feedings because of that rain coming in and they, and that front's coming through, then they got to make up for that sometime. So it may be that they stay out later on Friday night and then you catch them coming back to bedding. If you got the right setup for that on Saturday morning. The other thing, so with that, I'm kind of looking at food, at least for this first part of this this cold front. Now, the other thing we got to take into consideration coming up, we're getting past the middle part of October now, so we're going to start getting into the very first part of that pre-rut. This is a really good time of year, especially with the colder weather. It's going to get those bucks kind of feeling a little better, and they're going to be hitting those scrapes this time of year and getting scent check and seeing what's in the area and making sure everybody knows that they're the dominant buck and going right. and working those scrapes and those licking branches. 
I'm going to key in on those maybe after along with food this time of year. So before we do this next podcast, between now and then, especially, and then even after that, and we'll talk about some changing strategies to then looking at food with this colder weather, like you said, Nate, and then really keying in on those scrape lines and those mock scrapes that I've got set up. I think those will probably get pretty hot here in the next week or so. Yeah, we'll find out. I got camera set up on a mock scrape you and I mean. For me, the property that I'm going to hunt, it's only a north, northwest wind property. And, you know, it's been my real first time really hunting that. And I'm excited about it. And I got Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday evening. The wind's supposed to switch and I won't be able to hunt it. Now, I have other properties that I've hunted before. So I kind of know how to play them, what to expect on them. You know, but yeah, I guess it's the excitement of hunting a new property and knowing that conditions are right as, you know, what might happen. Yep. And this and will be whether, even if it don't happen, I'll still have a good time. Yeah. You know, but this will be the first real enjoyable weather we've had. Right. And not fall. sitting out there and swatting yeah. pterodactyls trying right. to take my head off. Yeah. And the first, uh, I think probably the first north northwest winds we've it had, is. which yep. can be which are generally some of the best winds to hunt yep. um, that we've had this fall. So, so if cameras, if you had cameras out there and you'd been watching this camera for the last three weeks, yeah, would you be excited about this weekend if you hadn't seen anything on your camera? Yeah, I think I would. Really, based on the yeah, weather, that, I based would on be. the weather, okay. I would be. Okay, yeah, because you know it's been. You know, it's been 85-degree weather. We haven't had any any major changes. We had one evening where it was was real high winds, and then they calmed down towards the evening, which I'll have to check my cameras and see if there were a lot of deer out because I wasn't out on that particular evening. But other than that, there's not been those days where we've had a 10-degree drop in temperature. That's the point I'm making. 10-mile-an-hour drop in wind. Is if you're setting your cameras and you're checking them regular, or maybe you have cell cameras and it pops your phone and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I've got this camera out for three weeks and I haven't seen nothing. And you're really super excited about this property, but you haven't even checked your camera. So you let your cameras discourage you from being that excited? Absolutely not. No. See, that's that's, what, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because you got to take in consideration all the other factors that, that are in play. And it's good that this weather could bring in and maybe have those first good pictures on your camera. It's even better if this good weather brings in the first big deer you see while you're sitting out and there. And it's not only just the weather, it's the timing of the year, too. Yeah, we're getting, like I said, we're getting yep. closer to that pre-rut time. <laughs> you know, I mean, you could have a cold front in the middle of summer, you know, and you got your cameras out there, you know, you have a 10, 20 degree drop in the middle of summer for a week or two or, you know, a weekend or something. You know, you're not going to get really excited about checking your cameras because, you, you know, you you know the local deer that you're going to have on them. You know, you've been watching them all summer. But now this time of year, you don't know what's going to pop up. Mm-hmm. And as we progress into, you know, the full moon phase starts next week, mm-hmm. you know, and then after that, well, then things will really start heating up, I think. You know, and so... You're going to see deer on your cameras that you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And so, no, I don't let my cameras, just because I don't see deer on my cameras now, you know, predict whether I hunt that property. You know, I hunt it because of the weather changes and the wind directions and 
just to see what happens. Yeah. And that's what we talked about a lot on the first podcast is at the same time that you might be seeing deer on the camera in the summertime and you don't want to let that get you too amped up for the beginning of the season because they're probably going to be gone when they right. hit their fall side. Don't let their no pictures discourage you from going if you've got the right weather and all that. Right yeah. conditions that's kind of where I was going with that. Yeah, yeah I know what she's leading up to, but that's... Yeah. I will say I'm also pretty excited uh, at the idea of that one fall plot that I got going in because I have two... My two dominant bucks uh, have been there recently an hour before dark uh, a couple of different... Sorry, an hour after dark mm-hmm. a couple of different occasions. Um, it's dark by like 6.30... Uh, by 7 30 8 o'clock these guys are making a pass on the edge of the food plot i got their picture uh, i'm hoping that these cool temperatures will bring them out sooner and they would do that while it was daylight and i would be perched up there in my stand waiting on them you know yeah um, so i'm excited about that yep if i have the right wind to get in there right so i think looking at this next week probably gonna be the first really good week we've got so if you got the right stands for the right winds that are coming up uh, get out there. This may be your best chance so far this season. Um, other than that, I think that's pretty much going to wrap up what I had in mind to talk about tonight. Um, you guys got any closing thoughts on either the first part where we talked about that article about bailing on a buck, what time to do that, or the second part of what we're going to be looking for this upcoming week? You can't kill them on the couch. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you don't know if you don't go, do you? That's right. Yep. That's right. Yep. This uh, This will be a great time to go. Mm-hmm. this will be for a great sure. time yep so hopefully again this is helping you guys out um we're trying to again maximize your guys's time in the woods uh, again everything we're saying is not necessarily 100 percent right or 100 percent wrong um, take it for what it's worth but hopefully it is helping you guys out good luck this week get out there and kill a big one we'll catch you guys again next friday aim small miss small